0: The Start On On Demand.
1: Well, that was a fun morning, as Winnipeg is under a winter storm warning alongside much of southern Manitoba. We checked in with End Homelessness Winnipeg to discuss... The declining number of people who are still using bus shelters as shelters, although even though that number is down, it is still a significant issue in the city of Winnipeg. We also head to Hamiota, where a family has turned its sheep barn into an indoor hockey rink. And circling back to winter, we had fun talking about the wintry destinations you would like to visit. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNab. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNab, and this is the Tuesday, January 18th podcast for the start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNab, thank you very much for joining us this morning on the start on what is going to be an interesting morning. Hi, Loren.
2: Good morning, my friend. How are you? How was the uh, trek in today? Snowshoe ready?
1: <laughs> I wish I had snowshoes for the walk home because uh, the, the the drive, for my cabbie at least, it seemed relatively uneventful. Like there's a lot of snow out there, but uh, no problems getting in. But that snow is coming down and already, I think, was it Greg mentioned, measured eight centimeters. Greg, are you there? I know you've hit the road
2: Greg, I think, is just paused to...
1: Uh, well, he, he Forte just said he's we there.
3: just <laughs> had him, and then I don't know he's gone. Oh, <laughs> just had him. him.
2: We've got Greg on the road, and we've got listeners texting in about their treks that they've taken into the city. Eve is reporting. I know that inside the city there's lots of uh, snow on the ground, and Eve says that uh, his drive on 405 this morning was just about four inches of snow thick, and then when he got on to... Um, the road from, I'm trying to double check where he was, 59 northbound from Ildachane with single lane with about eight inches of snow in the untraveled lane and working to uh, plow those roads now as we speak, we know. And then, of course, we got roads to watch for school cancellations to account for Lord Selkirk uh, just a few minutes ago Brett uh sending their note out to say that they've got a snow Lord Selkirk school division will have no buses res- running staff are not expected to report St. River school divisions also just announced that uh, schools and the board office are closed employees are not expected to report to work so I feel like feel like we're going to be uh Running on a treadmill here today with all sorts of different things going on. Forget the snowshoes. I'm just going to need to take a breath here.
1: <laughs> Did you mention La Prairie as well? School I division? haven't. Nope. Okay. All buses in La Prairie School Division not running today. This includes all in-town shuttles and routes. Oakville and Heterian schools will be closed. My eyes feel like pinballs right now because they're just sort of bouncing from screen to screen to screen. I missed that same river thing. So we're going to do our best to stay on top of all of this. And thanks to all of our listeners so far who are weighing in. With the road conditions, Brian sent us a text uh, some pictures and video from west of Brandon uh, this morning. Now that was at four twenty four. We received that text, and he said, "West of Brandon, roads are are good driving. There is snow on the ground, but uh, it wasn't too bad out there. But uh, we suspect that that's going to be an issue as the day goes on. And then, with when that wind because it's dead calm out there right, right now, but when that wind picks up, when we're talking about potential wind up to eighty kilometers an hour." That's going to be a serious visibility problem on the roads. And like I, I had plans this afternoon to, um, buddy, my, my buddy Brandon says, let's go golfing. Let's go to Golf Zone. And I, was like, I booked it a week ago where you were super excited. And now I'm thinking, I, if I'm going anywhere this afternoon, it's probably walking to Safeway to buy myself a Spence Brothers frozen pizza. <laughs> and then I'm walking home to hunker down for the rest of the day.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the roads map right now. So you're, of course, inside the city, outside the city. There's no ro- major road closures of any sorts. They all are just listed as either relatively decent or snow covered. But Rob just texted in. He's in the Brandon area. Um, he said north, number 10 north of Brandon. He just paid 157 bucks to pull him out of the ditch on the highway. So I'm glad to hear you're safe, Rob. But it's, it's going to be that kind of day. And I think we do have Greg hoping to have an okay day. As he works his way around Winnipeg to to be our basically our w- weather traffic reporter this morning, Greg. Good morning, friends.
4: Hello. How are you? We're all right. How are you? Good. Good. I'm doing all right. I I'm still uh, uncertain as to how solid our connection is here, but I'm heading westbound on Portage Avenue. I'm just passing through the intersections at Sherbrooke and Maryland, and yeah, there's lots of snow. And snow-packed, and you certainly cannot discern between lanes on Portage Avenue right now. The only piece of equipment I've seen inside the city so far this morning, a sanding truck on Chief Pegua's Trail, and that was about 45 minutes ago. So... Uh, looking for plows, looking for any sign of assistance out here. But so far the traffic's moving a-okay. It's a lot busier uh, at 6:10 in the morning than I remember it being ever. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, people are out and about and getting from point A to point B. No, no vehicles in the in the any ditches or stuck in any curb lanes or plowed into any snow bank. So so far so good out here, at least uh, from my point of view, guys
1: can add that uh, we have uh, some more cancellations to pass along here. Toulon Daycare and Toulon Daycare School-Age Program, both programs closed today. And, uh, and my favorite, the DSFM, it's always my favorite <laughs> because they never just say all schools closed. They provide a list of like a dozen schools that are all in French, and then I got to dust off my French and try not to sound like an idiot. So here we go. Gabriel Roy. La Gimodière, Pointe-de-Chêne, Real Berard, Saint-Joachim, Saint-Jean-Baptiste, École Aurel Lemoyne, École Saint-Agathe, École Noël Richaud and École Saint-Georges. Those clo- schools are closed today. So Bravo. <sighs> I get stressed out. I always feel like one of my old French teachers is going to be listening <laughs> to you Loren, and say, "You learn nothing." Did you learn nothing?
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. And the answer is, you know what, I haven't used it a ton. I'm not
2: I'm not talking about Gabriel O as much as one would think. But listen, the uh, school being closed, like the kids were already asking yesterday, you think we'll have a snow day tomorrow? I'm like, you've been at school for one day <laughs> <laughs> out of the last month. Like I think but but in some respects, I think, you know, this is this that excitement that it comes with a snow day. Might be badly needed right now. A little bit of magic, right? They can jump outside. They can play. They can get going. Maybe I will dust off my snowshoes and... Take him for a trek after work. So we are going to talk to Environment Canada in our next segment. Brett, to get some snowfall totals. Greg will, of course, be on the roads throughout the morning checking in on that. And at 645, we do want to talk a little bit about winter fun. Like, Winnipeg's a great winter city, but we have another question for our listeners.
1: Yeah, where would you like to go? Which winter destination would you like to visit? Because my first thought when I was outside was... Oh boy, if I was into skiing, like downhill skiing, this right. snow feels like it would be perfect. And Greg, you're, you know, well, both of you, because Loren, didn't you, I think you, you sent a picture once from having coffee on like the Swiss Alps or something.
2: Yeah. And, and my, and, I, and I, I'm not a great skier, but I love to ski. And I, I don't know, like some people like different kinds of snow, but like the more snow, the better, right? For ski hills, for snowmobilers, there'll be Johnny, our friend in St. Agath, who texts in, he'll be... Super pumped this morning, I'm sure, to oh, know yeah. that there's more snow coming because he sent us a photo of his his new ride. I, I don't know what to call it. New cat? New... <laughs> Is it an Arctic cat? I'm not a big snowmobiler, and you can tell. <laughs> it's a That's beautiful hilarious. Machine. Is that still a thing? I don't know.
1: Mackling has hit the road. He is somewhere in the wilderness, in the streets of Winnipeg. Where do you find yourself right now, Greg Mackling? I am right
4: by the Ikea on Route 90. I I read the weather at Polo Park, and then once uh, we finished our conversation with Environment Canada, I left Polo Park, so it took me about 15 minutes to get down Route 90. It's snow-filled, it's slow going, but 15 minutes from Polo Park to Ikea is not too bad at all. It's not bad.
2: Just gotta watch for those uh, photo radars.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, cordon and Route 90. In case you didn't remember, Laura. I don't
2: say that with any previous knowledge of why one needs to be aware of those.
4: <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> at 5:30 in the morning, flash of light.
1: <laughs> How many tickets were racked up by uh, unknown source? Uh, just, one.
2: Th- just one just <laughs> one Greg and I were on our way to the lottery house a couple years ago and he's behind me and I get this and as soon as I went through it you know when it goes from 80 to 70 to 50 like in a real yeah or hurry there and I had no idea and it's 5:30 in the morning and I still thought I was in a 70 and I was not <laughs> oh, I phone no. rank as Greg's following me and he's like hey you saw the flash hey and I'm like yeah <laughs> yeah
4: <laughs> the unmistakable flash of
1: photo radar. All right, so we got to tell you, we have a handful of cancellations to pass along here. Uh, so, Lorraine, why don't you start us off with the school divisions that are affected?
2: Okay, so all buses in the Portage la Prairie school division are not running today, and this will include all in-town shuttles and routes. It also includes Oakville and Hatarian schools, so they're closed. All schools closed in lord selkirk school division staff are not expected to report the, to work same river school division closed all schools in hanover are closed to students and staff teachers are reassigned to work at home schools in red river valley school division staff working from home no school there and all schools in lakeshore school division are also closed so snow day brett also for many in dsfm
1: and I'm, just, and I'm also just noticing, sorry, uh, Interlake is closed as well uh, because we're getting sort of global news is being contacted. We're getting contacted at CJOB and we're all sort of scrambling to try to put this into one spot online at uh, CJOB.com and globalnews.ca slash Winnipeg. So Interlake, I just spotted that. Uh, and As far as the DSFM, we have Gabriel Roy. La Jimodiere, Point des Chênes, Real Berard, Saint Joachim, Saint Jean Baptiste, Ecole Rale Lemoyne, Ecole Saint Agathe, Ecole Noel Richaud, and Ecole Saint Georges. So those are the schools closed in the DSFM. And then, Greg, we have a few daycares affected as well.
4: Oh yes, the daycares. Sorry, Brett. Here we go. Daycares are Toulon Daycare and Toulon Daycare School-Age Program. Both programs closed today. Stonewall Children's Center is closed today. Dougal Daycare also closed along with Balmoral Child Care Center. Those are
1: all closed. And we also have, uh, just spotting this now, We ha- this just came in, Gillis Play and Learn Center in Tyndall and uh, Springfield Learning Centers in Anola closed for today. So deep breath okay we'll stay on top of that as best as we can (laughs) this morning on 680 cjob um it stays like this that make me happy that i can just walk home after this is done loren because i don't feel like getting in a car anytime anytime soon
2: and this has been the one thing of working from home that I not having to make that commute because we know the highways are also snowpacked and uh, some of them are still waiting for some plows to get through. So let us know if you're heading in when you can do so safely. Shoot us a text, pull over 780 and let us know how the roads outside the city are looking as
1: well. All right. So now we want to look at what's happening at uh, the university of w uh the university of winnipeg sorry i combined the u of w and the university of winnipeg there um greg do you have your script in front of you there can you see that i sure can okay so let's let her rip here then with rising COVID hospitalizations the push continues to get people vaccinated and boosted with some workplaces requiring them for employment and its three University of Winnipeg collegiate
4: instructors who are suing the province, the school, and several other people over the school's mandatory vaccine policy. Global's Gabigail Turner explains it's a case some experts say could be precedent setting.
5: Broad, unreasonable, and discriminatory. All claims made by three University of Winnipeg collegiate instructors about the school's vaccine requirements. But it may not be an easy case in court. The
2: well, long and the short of what I'll tell you about their claim is I think they've got a tough road.
5: The three plaintiffs are listed as Renice Mladzinski, Evan Maltman, and Kyle Duval, each teaching at the school between three and eight years. The U of W's mandatory vaccine policy began September 7th. The instructors were put on involuntary unpaid leave after failing to disclose their vaccine status. Labor lawyer Benjamin Hecht says their case and one similar that may arise in the future are not likely to succeed.
2: They're asking that the university sort of relax their policy pending the hearing. Well, that's not going to happen because a hearing could take years.
5: All three are seeking compensation for alleged damages, including severe and permanent psychological, physical and emotional trauma, also for what they say is a violation of the Manitoba Human Rights Code.
2: The health and safety of the
5: community at large and the workplace has to take precedence over the needs of a group of anti-vaccine people, or any one individual employee. Despite the instructors claiming there is no scientific basis to support the vaccine policy, Hecht says workplaces must still follow the Health and Safety Act. Personal choice or preference
1: is not a protected characteristic under the Human Rights Code, and it cannot be justifiably argued that a person was discriminated against because of a choice or preference to not be vaccinated.
5: The province has been given 20 days to file a statement of defense. However, Hecht says that's only the first step of a process that could take years to work through the court system. Abigail Turner, Global News. So
2: Abigail mentioned three people, plaintiffs in this case. The lawyer representing the instructors declined to comment. The province says the matter is before the court, so it's also not going to make a statement right now. The University of Winnipeg said they are following public health directives, which are based on the best scientific evidence. They also said the lawsuit is misconceived and will be challenged accordingly.
1: Mackling, what do you think?
4: Well, I think this is probably going to get wrapped up and tied up in court much longer than uh, any restrictions or any vaccine mandates are in place for staff. So this is likely something that will be resolved uh, far down the line and and hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, once the pandemic is either an endemic or uh, very much in the rearview mirror. So, uh, you know, good luck to you.
1: Jeff Braun not joining us for this segment. He's a busy boy this morning with all of everything that's happening with the weather and the cancellations and the snow and the what have you. Greg's on the road and we're going to have some fun with the snow conversation today for a chance to win. $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza because as I was standing outside in the snow, um, I thought... (sighs) This looks like fun snow to play in, like whether whatever that is. It's, if it's snowmobiling, if it's skiing, if it's snowboarding, whatever. And then that made me think, eh, you know, when we think about going away on vacation, we often look to the beach, to the sunshine. But I would love to take a vacation that is set in a wintry setting. So that's what we want to ask you today. Which destination would you like to visit that is in a winter setting, or would you like to visit during winter? 204-780-6868 tell us a story maybe you have been to uh, on a vacation that was set in the winter time let us know like greg Macklin, let's start with you this was well i guess this was a vacation for you you went to to finland to watch some some um north, some transplanted north american ice hockey <laughs>
4: That's right. It was at the end of October, beginning of November, so celebrated Halloween in Helsinki, which was absolutely beautiful. They already had a little bit of snow, and I would love to explore Scandinavia further. Stockholm has always been on my list of places that I'd like to go, as well as Oslo. But my winter adventure dream vacation is to go to Switzerland to, I think you say it this way loren davos in switzerland for the spengler cup correct which takes place at, just just after christmas and uh the the village is kind of up at the top of a of a what would you call it a gondola ride and you kind of go up there and you hunker down for a few days and have a good time and watch some hockey
2: The arena there, I think, is the wood-paneled arena too, which is super cool because I've had family that have gone, and apparently the players, it's really more of a fun tournament than it is a serious one, so they're all out and about, and you can can, cavort and hang out with different uh, NHL players and just have a good time. So that's a good one, Greg.
1: David emailed us at, uh, he emailed me, brett at cjob.com. He says, in 1985, Switzerland, I'm on top of a mountain in a ski complex, could only be reached by cable car. Says this place is movie famous. One of the Bond movies was shot here. The windows looking out are huge, and on the windows in huge lettering, uh, perhaps eight feet tall, 007. Uh, So that's kind of neat, David, neat story. Poitras, what about you?
0: Well, the the one place I've always wanted to go uh, is Quebec City for the winter, uh, the Quebec Winter uh, Carnival. There, uh, what's that uh, scary looking ghost guy's name? Bonhomme or, or something like Bonhomme. that? Uh, Bonhomme. Yeah, yeah. But I, I've always wanted to go to Quebec City. Um, you know, I, a place of I've always wanted to pour one out for General Wolfe and, of course, celebrate the victory of. Uh, of the plains of Abraham uh, on Quebec territory, just to kind of rub it in a little bit. Of course, I'm kidding, sort of. But, um, uh, anyways, it's just a place I've always wanted to go. It looks like a lot of fun uh, in the middle of winter and tons of stuff going on. And yeah, it's, it's always just a something I've. It's i never really like I'm I've not skied really too much in my life. I've only ever gone a couple of times, so I don't really. That's not, I'm not really into that too much. Uh, but uh, if, I've always had that kind of circled as a, a place I wanted to go in the winter time. Forte, what about you? I actually went skating for the first time in 18 years on Friday. Oh, yay! The first
3: time, and I did not fall once, so now I think I'm a pro, which, <laughs> <laughs> which oh, I, I'm, de-
2: I'm definitely not by any means. I went to the Forks there, and it was a great time, and so I was thinking of places where I can go and skate on a lake. You know, I'm going to stick here in Canada, and I was just uh, looking up places that you can skate on lakes, and uh, this place came up twice, and of course, it's Banff, Yeah, mm-hmm. Lake Louise. So I'd like to go check that out. You know, be skating by the mountains, the beautiful view. You know, there's nobody to watch me wipe out. <laughs> well, there's probably a few people, but... Oh, there's a lot of people to watch Well, you don't wipe tell out. me that. <laughs> there's so many tourists there, but it's a lot... And they have this little ice castle that they built, and um, it's a great place to have a skate. You can go for a little cross-country in there, people do. There's a gorgeous hotel that none of us can afford to stay at, but you can... They let you walk through it and pretend for a few hours. And so. there's got to be places where you can go snowboarding with all the mountains there. For sure. Oh lots yeah, Lake
4: Louise has got a great ski resort, Sunshine Mountain. That's a great, great choice for it, Jay.
1: All right. Yeah, the videos. Anytime I see videos of people skating on that lake, it's just, just mesmerizing. Uh, Loren, what uh, about you?
2: Well, I mean, I'd like to say that there's lots of places close to home that I'd like to hit, and that's true. Like we just had on that harness. Adventures last week or two weeks ago with their mushing company, just to stay in a cabin and go on a dog slab would be cool. I'd like to get to Churchill again, and see the Northern Lights. I'd like to go way north, like maybe to a or something and experience life up there. But if I'm being honest about just the adventure side of me, I'd love to just stay in one of those. I think Iceland has a lot of these, lots of this, lots of Sweden, Finland, Switzerland, like a glamping thing where you're in one of those bubbles like a dome that has the wood stove in it and it's you're you're basically in a like encased in glass and so your bed at nighttime can also look up at the northern lights and see the stars and all the rest but you're in the coziness of your little uh your your hotel tent and so any place that has one of those I want to hit up.
1: So here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 which wintry destination would you like to hit and is there a specific activity you would like to hit I, i always whenever i watch the amazing race i love seeing all the exotic locations but i always get extra excited for some reason whenever they visit a winter location uh whether it's in europe or if they go head out to western canada you mentioned finland what what did you have another one uh that you wanted to visit or that you wanted to do Oh, just
4: uh, like I said, uh, going to Switzerland and, and the rest of Scandinavia is absolutely uh, on my list. And Iceland, uh, Loren mentioned it. Oh, my gosh. I would love to go to Iceland. And, of course, Churchill's on the list, but I don't want to go there in the winter. Sorry, Churchill. I want to go there in the shoulder seasons, either in the spring, but more likely in the fall time. So,
1: <laughs> Greg. Is our man on the street, where are you at the moment, Greg?
4: I am on North Main Street. I'm heading towards that situation, Justine's been talking about it, at Main and Chief Peguus Trail. I think I see officially my first piece of active uh, snow-clearing equipment on the city streets. I've seen numerous plows on private property and what seem to be front-end loaders moving from it's private lot to private lot on city streets but not one truck plow i've seen only a sanding truck and that was a almost two hours ago now on the streets so far, and that was on Chief Peguist Trail when I was doing uh, some early rounds. So I'm not exactly sure what the city's strategy is today. I've received an email from a former city councillor this morning who hasn't seen any equipment out either and is perplexed by that situation. So uh, Michael Cantor, when he joins us at 8 o'clock, I'd be interested to know exactly what is the strategy today.
1: All right. Once today's storm passes... Another round of extremely cold weather is going to settle in.
2: Yeah, we heard that from Environment Canada at 6.15, that the temperatures are going to plummet for at least a few days before another warm-up. And that's tough on a lot of people. And we want you to imagine this morning, well, what if you don't have a place to sleep? We know Winnipeg does have beds in shelters. But over the past couple of years, there's been a trend on our streets with homeless turning to bus shelters instead of emergency shelters to lay their head. And we know the pandemic is playing a role here with COVID concerns, perhaps keeping some of Winnipeg's most vulnerable from moving indoors. But, Greg, 22 months later, we're wondering is this problem better or worse?
4: Well, if you scan social media, you might get an answer. Chris Clemens is manager of communications and community relations for End Homelessness Winnipeg. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. What are your outreach teams telling you about the number of people using bus shelters to sleep or even just stay warm? Are the numbers up or are they down? Uh,
6: There's evidence that the numbers are down significantly compared to last year at the height of the COVID pandemic lockdown. Um, And that's thanks to expanded outreach as well as additional uh, emergency beds and warming spaces that we have in Winnipeg this winter. But with ridership still down on Winnipeg Transit um, to about half of what it was pre-COVID, the shelters still remain an inviting option for some folks.
2: What are you hearing from people who are making that choice? Because we know for some it is a choice to, to, to sleep there rather than maybe go to some of those emergency shelters. Chris, what are they saying to you?
6: People face barriers to accessing emergency shelters and warming spaces. Uh, these can be related to, right now, concerns about the transmission of, of Omicron. You know, that mm-hmm. people experiencing homelessness are far more likely to have severe outcomes if they um, if they do catch COVID. Uh, it can also just be related to past negative experiences in shelters, concerns about safety or theft, Um concerns about crowdedness, noise, accessibility challenges, given the high rates of disability among those experiencing homelessness. So there's a whole range of factors that might uh, make a person consider that the the bus shelter is their safest option in a given moment or day.
1: Omicron has, of course, caused staff shortages all over the place in pretty much every industry. Um, Are there any concerns as far as Omicron-related staff shortages in shelters?
6: Absolutely, this is an emerging concern. We're seeing shelters and safe spaces, you know, trying to um, backfill shifts uh, in the emergency shelter by pulling staff from other uh, services that they have. We're seeing already um, this year. Some drop-in spaces, daytime drop-in spaces, having to reduce or cut hours because of staff shortages. We've also seen just this week um, a couple of of the mobile outreach teams that that are out there a few days a week having to kind of pull back their their outreach services because of staffing shortages. So... um, Agencies are trying to work together to to try and address this through some kind of temporary solutions, but it could create a critical situation because the shelters are so busy. So if there's not enough staff to support the individuals staying there, um, it might create a, a dangerous situation for the staff or the people trying to access a warm place to sleep.
4: Chris, I think Winnipeggers are are empathic and they understand that that people experiencing homelessness have have maybe fewer or less attractive options right now. But what do you say to those, you know, who depend on transit, who would like to you know utilize those shelters for their intention? How how do we balance that out? I guess might be the the best question and, and the best best thing to ask you to respond to because I I don't think that people are are lacking sympathy or empathy for those that are struggling with with finding shelter right now. However, there, there, there is a, a line crossed here for a lot of folks.
6: Absolutely. Uh, it makes an uncomfortable situation for folks, but uh, it's the wrong approach to focus that um, discomfort or that blame on the individual in the transit shelter who literally has nowhere else to go. These concerns and and discomfort and anger really needs to be communicated with and and focused on our uh, political representatives at all levels of government who over the past few decades have created through policy and disinvestment the housing crisis that we currently have in Winnipeg and across the province where Manitoba has the lowest amount of housing per capita of any jurisdiction in the G7, according to a new report from Scotiabank. And most of that gap falls on the low-income rentals end of our local housing continuum that creates the homelessness that we then see in our bus shelters and and other places on our streets. We know that the province has got consultations underway on its 2022 budget right now. We also know the federal government has a critical role to play in housing and has a new uh, minister of housing. These are great opportunities for Winnipeggers and all Manitobans to um, take action and emphasize the importance of ending homelessness through uh, uh, adequate housing supply.
2: Chris, a good reminder for Winnipeggers, you know, I talked about the fact that some might be choosing to stay in the bus shelter rather than an emergency shelter. But at the end of the day, if given a better choice to to move indoors and have their own space to live, everybody would make would up their hand and ask for that.
6: Absolutely, overwhelmingly, people are just seeking a uh, private, safe, warm place to stay, and and in the absence of those options, you know they're they're making difficult choices out there.
5: Chris
1: Clemens, manager of communications and community relations for End Homelessness Winnipeg, thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Thank you, Mackling. You're out on the roads. The plows have hit the streets. Yes? The plows have cometh. (laughs) Uh, An armada of
4: plows southbound on Main Street, southbound on Henderson Highway. Uh, They are going uh, straight across uh, three or two or four lanes of traffic, depending on where they are. I see flashing lights now on the north perimeter as well as I'm heading between Henderson Highway towards La Lajamogier on the eastbound north perimeter. So the plows are out. uh, But, you know, I have to say, the traffic is moving slower in behind those snow plows than they were in dealing with the accumulated snow on the road. So... Uh, I guess we will get an update as to the strategy that was in place this morning as it pertains to uh, starting this plow operation. Loretta it appears right at 7 o'clock this morning.
2: Yeah, so we're going to speak with Michael Cantor, who's the manager of street maintenance just after 8. And, you know, in some respects, I think this is kind of one of those jobs where you're darned if you do and darned if you don't because people have different needs, different ones when the snow first falls. At the same time, we did have listeners say that they hadn't seen any plows out in the morning while others informed us that's likely because of a shift change. And we know the plows are out there. And, and one of them who's driving the plows said, what are you talking about? Like, I'm on Main Street right now. Uh, that was the text that came in just... Before 7 o'clock. So we know you're busy. We know you're working to clear that snow. We'll get the latest from Michael Cantor just after 8.
1: Also, we had a couple of uh, plow operators uh, from outside the perimeter weighing in as well. Dwayne texted us uh, about a half hour ago saying, where was Dwayne? Out in uh, St. Anne, Manitoba. And uh, Eve was out working near the floodway. Uh, on highway 59 so uh big thanks to all our uh, snow machine operators out there keeping those you're trying to clear those streets it's uh, not a job i would uh, like to do or not a job i could competently do either so um there you go so we we'll, again full cancellations list cjob.com update with the city after global news at eight o'clock but it's tuesday forte what does that mean means Breakfast with the Bombers. It's brought to you by the Cooperators. Find an advisor at cooperators.ca, a better place for you. And this morning, we welcome back to Breakfast with the Bombers, the longest-serving member of the Blue and Gold.
4: Yeah, drafted in 2012. He's absolutely a critical member of that Blue Bomber defensive line. He had a huge sack in the Grey Cup game in Hamilton. And, of course, the 2021 Grey Cup was... uh, Uh, A second consecutive Grey Cup for our next guest. And uh, two weeks ago, Lorraine, he put his name on a brand new contract to stay in blue and gold.
2: So as he prepares for his 10th season in Winnipeg, we say good morning to Jake Thomas. How's it going, Jake? I think you're from the East Coast, right? You're not bothered by any snow? Uh,
7: We had a little storm last night, probably got 15 or 20 centimeters, but yeah, I'm in the East Coast. We don't get quite as cold as you guys, though.
2: So when it comes to uh getting up in the morning you're uh, you're ahead of us on your timing i'm wondering about the timing of another great cup win is it does it ever get old are you used to being a two-time championship winner like if the third one comes it'll be no big deal
7: i think the goal now is the third one i think anytime you win it just kind of gets infectious just it's a, it's a habit you just want to keep having
1: so how are you spending the first part of the offseason
7: Uh, right now, I, so during the COVID year, I actually started real estate. So, uh, kind of right when January picked back up, I started getting back into that and just that training. Then I have an eight month old son. So it's pretty busy right now for myself. How are you
4: enjoying fatherhood, Jake?
7: It's good. It's good. Uh, I I don't, I think it's one of those things you never know what it's going to be like or how you're going to be with it till you actually jump in and get thrown into the fire. But, uh, pretty good it makes uh makes me realize football real estate uh you know whatever's going bad in your day once you get home just flush it and you know it's pretty fun to be a dad
4: so is that another advantage of of the football life, so to speak? I mean, obviously it'll be tough. Uh, I don't know if uh, your partner, your wife, and your and your son will come to Winnipeg during the season or not. How does that all go down? And and is this sort of bonus time where will the uh, off season be sort of like bonus ta- time with your son?
7: Uh, so this this upcoming season, we're doing a full family move. So last year, my wife was on maternity leave, so she was able to, you know, come out for. Uh, good portion of the season, her and the little guy. But this year, we're we're bringing out the whole family. So we got the, my wife, my son, my dog, my two cats. So we will be a full house <laughs> there in Winnipeg this year. But uh, yeah, I think both um, here. Uh, I don't usually start real estate till around nine in the morning. So I usually get a couple of morning play times with them in Winnipeg. Usually after practice, you get that kind of. You get to put them to bed and do the bath. So both are rewarding to be able to spend some time with the guy.
2: So you're in New Brunswick right now. Tell us about life there. You mentioned you don't get the same kind of cold as Winnipeg. Uh, what are some of the things that you just like love about your home province?
7: Yeah, um, I think first, you know, I think uh, you guys have the plate friendly Manitoba, but I find the East Coast is also pretty friendly, uh, much more smaller. Um, I'm in the capital, of Fredericton. It would only have sixty, seventy thousand 70,000 people. So it's kind of one of those areas where kind of everyone knows everyone, which is has its pros and cons, but uh, just a really great place, a lot of friendly people, and uh, I wouldn't say not as many great restaurants as Winnipeg, but we, we have pretty good cuisine down here as well.
1: And we're talking about enjoying winter and wintry destinations in terms of, uh, you know, Winnipeg does a great job at embracing winter with our river trail and all the stuff that we do here, but uh, what's what do, do, you, do you have anything you like to do? Outside is in. Go outside and play in New Brunswick. Uh, myself.
7: Uh, I'm yeah, not a skier, or so, Maybe once sports football is done, I'll get into that. But right now, I'd probably get hurt. But uh, usually, we try to get out, do some skating, some snowshoeing, some things like that. But uh, we're not uh, we're not out there too too much. Especially right now, we're uh, I don't know what it's like in Manitoba. We're on a two week lockdown right now, so there's really not too much you can do.
4: Well, it's good to hear your voice, Jake. Uh, congratulations on the new contract. How, how are you going to, how are you dealing with the, With this lockdown? And maybe you can be news reporter for us for a few seconds. Uh, what is the situation in New Brunswick that's that's uh, had the, the government and the health officials decide to lock things down there?
7: Yeah, so I think they had like a set number. If we hit it, they're going to go to zone three. So you know, businesses like gyms, salons, those things shut down. Um, I kind of went in panic mode on Friday and went to a, uh, a gym store. I bought a bunch of weights, so I set up a garage gym. Uh, but it's only supposed to be for two weeks, but school right now is online learning. It just seems like, I think, uh, that Omicron variant spreading pretty quick. Luckily, I haven't heard of too many people out here being too, too sick, I think, uh, no, we'll have the case, the occasional um, severe case every now and then, but uh, yeah, I think it's just like everyone in the world right now. No one really knows what's going on. Hopefully, hopefully it comes to an end here soon.
2: Well, I think that's the best way to end this interview as well, because that's what we're all thinking and hoping for. Jake, thank you for the time. We appreciate it.
7: All right, take care, guys.
1: Jake Thomas joining us live on 680 CJOB as he prepares for his 10th season with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. We want you to text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza about a destination you would like to visit in the winter. And, uh, Loren, we're getting lots of great pictures and stuff uh, on our text line. What, what have you got here for us?
2: Yeah, there's some people who have been to really cool places that they're suggesting and other people with dreams of places they'd like to go. So one of our listeners said, a couple of years ago, my husband and I went to a little resort in St. would be Hippolyte, Quebec in February, and it was fantastic. One of the best vacations I've ever had. There was hiking, dog sleds, and all the winter sports. And then, of course, indoors were fireplaces, pool board games. It was just a stunning setting and so relaxing. And so that's heading east. And then Johnny's looking west. These are avid snowmobilers. He says, I think my wintry vacay would be to visit Big White, southeast of Kelowna. We ride on the neighboring mountain, the Gray Strokes, but never get a chance to visit Big White, even for a meal. The website makes it look like a little village. The snow coming down this morning reminds me of the partial accumulation at that B.C. area. And he's talking about snowmobiling in the mountains, but uh, you've skied, I think, in Big White, Greg, or at least you've been there.
4: Oh, absolutely. I've skied at Big White several times. I worked up at Silver Star and Vernon for a ski season. I got a hundred days of skiing in one year. And, uh, now I think I'd be absolutely useless. I'd have to start on the bunny hill all over again, but I'd like to start and I'd like to try to, uh, to, to get back up on the, up on the real mountains, Brett.
1: It is going to be another busy week for snow-clearing crews right across southern Manitoba.
2: Yeah, so up to 15 centimetres will have fallen by the time the system moves through. Maybe a little bit more, depending on where you are. And then, of course, there's also strong winds to contend with later today. And so we're checking in now with Michael Cantor, Manager for Street Maintenance for the City of Winnipeg. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. So on a day like today, we talked about the snow maybe still falling in some parts, but then the winds aren't going to pick up until later this afternoon. What's the strategy for clearing? Did you hold off putting those plows out there?
8: No, we we started clearing our regional streets, sidewalks and pathways this morning. Uh, It's going to be a busy day, obviously, with the blowing snow and additional centimeters are going to come down until noon. So it's going to be a busy day. We really uh, ask residents to slow down and stay back from our equipment out there.
1: So then, after the
8: first no, Michael,
4: when you say uh, you started this,
1: go ahead, Greg. Go Sorry, ahead, Greg. just a heads up. Greg is on the road this morning, uh, so there's a bit of a delay on his end. But, but, Greg, go ahead.
4: Yeah, Michael, uh, when you say you started this morning, we understand that that plow operation on the on the major thoroughfares began at seven o'clock. Is that accurate? And and if you want to set us straight, feel free to do that. And a, a supplemental question to that is. Is why seven versus say five thirty or six a.m.
8: Yeah, it is accurate. We waited for the snow to come down. Uh, it worked well operationally, and uh, with the accumulation coming down, so we chose that hour from various reasons. So we we did start at seven o'clock, and we'll continue uh, during the day, obviously, and we'll have to replow some areas.
1: And in terms of the sidewalks, you know, after that first snowfall in November, we, we did get a lot of complaints from people about sidewalks. So has the strategy changed for sidewalk clearing with this round of
8: snow? No, we started plowing sidewalks at the same time we started plowing the regional streets. So we go by priority. We'll plow probably all the sidewalks in the, in the city based on the accumulation. Uh, so we started at the same time.
2: And when it comes to the winds this afternoon that might, you know, make all your efforts this morning completely change, do you add equipment in the afternoon for drifting or does that change anything for what you'll have to do for the afternoon commute, Michael?
8: Well, we're working 24-7 and we'll continue to plow with all the equipment we have based on priority. We start with the priority ones, we'll move priority twos. It's going to be a busy day today, so we ask residents to be patient with us while we're going through this event. Uh, but the plan will continue probably for a few days now
1: all right michael Cantor, manager for streets maintenance joining us live on 680 cjob from the city of winnipeg michael thank you for this have a good morning now greg you are on the road hence the uh the slight delay uh, that we are experiencing with your connection but where do you find yourself now
4: so i'm westbound on marion heading towards downtown just, uh, moving into that brand new, here's a, a warning, not that you're likely to get above 50k, that brand new 50km per hour zone that's, uh, happening and just been installed in the last few days between Archibald heading towards Des Murons or Des Murons, as most of us call it. And so, uh, southbound Lage was pretty slow, but manageable. And, uh, you know, patience is the word of the day. And I guess I just, uh, was curious as to, as to, as to why the seven, uh, you know versus the six because heading into the downtown it's a no-win situation for the city in terms of when they just start to to start plowing it's just you know uh now we've got a lot of traffic uh heading in towards the downtown following snow plows and uh traveling even slower than they were traveling when the when the roads were completely snow covered so it's just an interesting decision and and uh well it's it's a thankless job right
1: More than one quarter of the city's entire budget is spent on Winnipeg police services.
2: Yeah, so right now, $320 million, or 26.8% of the city's total budget, goes towards policing. And we know the bulk of that is salaries. Now, there's a new conversation about how we continue to fund police to keep up with rising costs. The city is going to the taxpayer asking them to help them to to decide the best funding model so there's a survey that went out earlier this month that includes a breakdown of what they consider to be the five different choices to fund police and then later today greg there's a virtual town hall
4: yeah of course we've heard that terminology defund the police what does that mean in the context of the winnipeg police service marcus chambers is the counselor for saint norbert saint river he's also with the winnipeg police board good morning councillor chambers
9: Good morning. Comment (laughs) ça va aujourd'hui? Practicing my French today, too. (laughs) Not bad, not bad. Hope hope everybody's doing well with all of the snow and the blowing snow that we received, and just hope Winnipeggers take it slow and are safe today on our Winnipeg roads.
4: Well, I haven't seen any crashes this morning. It doesn't mean there haven't been any, uh, counselor, but uh, for the most part, uh, I think it's, it's been nothing but slow going uh, regardless. So uh, with regard to the police situation, we know the budget, Loren outlined it perfectly, 26.8% of the city's total budget, $320 million. It's a massive amount of money. What's on the table here and, and really what is this conversation all about?
9: Well, and thank you for for inviting me on the show to talk about the uh, town halls that have been organized to have uh, City of Winnipeg Winnipeg residents weigh in on a funding formula to predict what the funding should be for the Winnipeg Police Services going forward. Uh, We've seen a massive rise of our police budget uh, in the early 2000s, and we're looking to control that, uh, but make it uh, done in a less political way. So having the uh, taxpayers weigh in on what the options should be uh, in looking at our police budget is, is going to help shape and direct uh, how we consider, thoughtfully consider, our police budgets going forward.
2: So the options on the table right now are basically you could m- maintain the status quo, which would be that you have the budget working group, which looks at the budget, the eight councillors and the mayor weigh in and they allocate the funds there's another model that looks at just adjusting it to the rate of inflation there's also uh you know talks about ways to brainstorm to cover any inflationary increases there's different models on the table what's not on the table marcus is an idea about defunding or taking some money away from the police and maybe putting it towards mental health services or other why isn't less dollars one of the options
9: Well, you know, one of the options does uh, consider that there could be a potential reduction to the increase. Um, But we have to look at this as it's not a one-time process here. This is something that is going to happen every year in terms of the police budget. So, if the option that Winnipegers present is to continually cut the budget, it's going to impact services because the only way to, uh, to reduce the budget is through complement reduction. It was mentioned that the majority of the costs around the police budget are salaries and benefits. So the only way to reduce the budget is to reduce the number of officers that our service has. This will have an impact on on, on service times or uh you know, when, when an officer is called, uh, what is the length of time that they're going to respond? So what we've heard from Winnipegers is that community safety is one of their priorities. And so we need to do this in a thoughtful way. If Winnipeggers do want a reduction, let them weigh in, let them, you know, figure, uh, provide recommendations on how we can do that in a sustainable way as to not impact on the services that Winnipeggers depend on.
1: What's happening this afternoon?
9: So, we have five uh, vir- town hall virtual sessions, and we don't want people on the streets driving to City Hall or anything like that. So, uh, people can uh, log in and register and provide feedback to the options that are presented, as well as convey any other recommendation that they may have along. Uh, you know the creation of the funding formula for the winnipeg police service it should be noted that there is no other city in north america other than edmonton that has a quasi funding formula in place and even edmonton is looking at their funding formula this year to see if it is providing that effective and adequate services for their citizens
4: how do we how do we uh, sign up and uh, get involved in these seminars and these sessions uh, councilor chambers
9: Well, uh, uh, residents can go on the City of Winnipeg website or the Winnipeg Police Service website or the uh, Winnipeg Police Board website and there are links there where uh, you can register. It's done through the avenue of all of the uh, community committees. So you can register for the community committee in terms of where you live or register for any of them depending on which date and time that they take place. And again, we are asking Winnipegers for their feedback. This is such an important and critical time in terms of it being an election year, as well as, you know, trying to control the, the, the rising cost of policing in our community, but also considering it thoughtfully that we continue to provide uh, good policing, which includes partnerships uh, with other uh, non-for-profits that provide the services uh, to our most vulnerable citizens.
1: Marcus Chambers joining us live on 680 CJOB. Counselor for St. Norbert St. River. He's also with the Winnipeg Police Board. Counselor Chambers, thank you very
9: much. Thank you very much and have a safe day today.
1: Just after seven o'clock, we checked in with N Homelessness Winnipeg uh, to see what's you know what's happening with those who use the bus shelters for actual shelter. And uh, Loren, we got lots of feedback at 204-780-6868.
2: Yeah. You know, I want to play this a bit of this clip from Chris Clemens from N Homelessness Winnipeg first, because, you know, it depends on where you're living in terms of what you're seeing or how often you might access a bus shelter or try to. And this was a big problem at the start of the pandemic because people might have had that fear of contracting COVID. And so those who are more vulnerable were staying out of the shelters. Plus, combine that with the fact that you know people aren't using the bus as much, the shelters were kind of the space that could be used. And this is what Chris Clemens had to say about the fact that they feel they're seeing fewer people using those shelters from the homeless community.
6: There's evidence that the numbers are down significantly compared to last year at the height of the COVID pandemic lockdowns. Um, and that's thanks to expanded outreach as well as additional uh, emergency beds and warming spaces that we have in Winnipeg this winter. But with ridership still down on Winnipeg Transit um, to about half of what it was pre-COVID, the shelters still remain an inviting option for some folks.
2: And a concerning option, we had some listeners text in to say that bus shelters downtown, they've noticed they've been vandalized, with one listener saying there's partying and drugs in there, so taxpayers might be paying the bill to clean and repair and rebuild these shelters, which then no bus rider might use during a storm like today. And another listener, Greg, texted about one at Portage and Burnell saying that they see people going in, you know, maybe taking needles and leaving it uh, a mountain of what they call dirty needles in that shelter often. And you had asked the question about the balance, right? Like, where's the balance? I think people understand there's an issue here. But if you're someone who wants to use these shelters as a bus rider, the experience changes for them as well, Greg.
1: Greg? Did we lose Greg? We just lost Greg. I... <laughs> Well, can you could hear him fumbling around in there and then we go to him and he and he, and he gets cut off.
2: Well All I right. think this is part of the problem though. Like in in terms of Greg had asked this good question, which is why I was trying to bring him in. He's out on the road, of course, Brett talking about the roads, but transit users will have different experiences today in the storm and the fact that the homeless community is sometimes using these shelters changes the experience for transit transit riders. And so there is a balance to be struck there. I know the city's working on it. They're looking for strategies, but let us know what you're seeing out there. 780 68
1: The backyard rink has grown in popularity, not only with the pandemic, but also with some different technologies and availability of tarps and board systems for the do-it-yourselfer to tackle this piece of canadiana for themselves
4: so now an odr in the backyard is awesome no doubt but loren what if you could have your own idr
2: Indoor rink. So our next guest has created just that—an indoor rink at their property—and we're going to go west to Hamiota to connect with Dave Rollins. Good morning, Dave.
10: Morning. How are you guys?
2: We're great, and we—I loved seeing some of the images of what you've created there. It, it's an old sheep barn, right? Tell us about the setup.
10: Yeah, it's an old—it's an old sheep barn, um, and we've lived at the property, I guess, for 12 years, and for the last. Nine years or ten years, it was kind of just a place where we stored junk. And um, my kids are getting older, and and we decided to turn it into a rink one day. So,
1: so yeah, like as Loren mentioned, the pictures just top shelf stuff, Dave. The boards appear to be grade A. The lighting seems to be superb. You've got the dressing rooms. So, I mean, hey, Sam and Matt must be on cloud nine.
10: Oh yeah, I think they're they're really on they're really on cloud nine. I think with all the attention we're getting right now, uh, they both think they're rock stars here. They're they're pretty they're pretty excited about the rink itself, but they're pretty excited about all the attention we're getting. That's for sure. So
4: okay so i can be the debbie downer in the group sometimes here and that's not my intention here dave but uh you may know this in brandon there was uh an arena simply known as the barn back in my hockey playing days in brandon it sat right next to the keystone center now during the summer fair it was known as barn three if memory serves me right in the winter the UCT Arena, and I put the word "arena" in quotation marks because it could be minus thirty outside and about minus forty inside that building. Any such issues at Rawlings Arena?
10: Uh, not really. It's it's pretty cold in there when it's cold out. But um, I'm actually old enough to remember playing in the barn too. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's. Usually on a nice sunny day, um, it warms up probably ten degrees warmer than it is outside. Um, So, so it's yeah it's. But the main thing is we're out of the wind, so that's that's a that's a huge plus.
2: That is huge for sure. I'm I'm curious. Then your kids are excited about it. What do the neighbors think? Because I know when people have outdoor rinks in their backyard or they have their own ponds, they're in hot demand with the neighbors. So are you getting requests? Like how do you manage everybody wanting to come over and use the barn?
10: Uh, we kind of. Like, last year was the first year, and it was, we built it not because of COVID, but it just kind of happened that way, um, and we we basically just would ask a different kid from Sam's hockey team or his class to, to come over and, and go skating, so um, we've mostly had just one family at a time. The odd time, we might have a couple families over skating, but um yeah it's been it's been it's been pretty good that way so
1: is this something you'll look to continue in uh winters in the
9: future
10: oh I think so we've we put a lot of work into it period so it it's pretty easy to look after and maintain and and flood um you were talking about tarps we just we just put a tarp down and and get the local water delivery service to come out and they just dump twenty six hundred gallons in the in the on the tarp and we let it freeze and and away we go so it's it's pretty it's pretty easy now anyway
2: oh man you're beating out like the strategy where we have to fill the buckets and carry them out or have the garden hose laying out you just got a truck coming in and dropping your water
10: yeah it's it's (laughs) then it's good good water and it's and it's real easy so it takes about 10 minutes to fill to fill it and and yeah then we just have to wait for wait for it to freeze and (laughs) after that it's good to go
2: uh, Sounds we like we need hours. to be taking
4: advice from Dave on, on several <laughs> other life strategies here because you've got it figured out, Dave. Tell us really quick before we let you go about Hamiota and uh, I know you run the, own the uh, home hardware in town. Uh, is that a, one of those communities that, you know, time forgot or is it having a rejuvenation?
10: Oh, we're doing, is doing really well, I would say. Um, we're not a real big town. We're a pat- town of... Thousand people give or take depends what's going on in town that day, but no, we're doing business is doing really well in town there's not there's no empty storefronts and yeah we're the schools are are doing well there's twenty some kids in every class and uh, yeah Hamo is doing really well, I would say.
1: All right. Well, listen. We really appreciate you taking some time to tell us about this. Uh, this is just fantastic, Dave. So, and uh, well done. Like it's just, it's it's amazing. So, great work.
10: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and it's kind of neat to get all the all the attention from it.
1: Dave Raldings joining us live from Hamiota with the IDR, the indoor rink inside a sheep barn. Where would you like to go to enjoy winter outside of Manitoba? $20 gift card. Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs. Loren, what's Rudy got?
2: Rudy says, would love to visit Banff this time of year and get in the hot springs, sit in the warm spring water while there's snow and mountain views around me. Rudy, I've done the Banff hot springs and they're pretty special. Even better is radium if you can get there. So check that out if you head west.
1: Mackling, you ever done hot springs?
4: Yeah, I haven't done radium, but I've done the ones out near uh, Nelson, BC, and the Banff Hot Springs is great in the summer or the wintertime. That's one of the things I miss about living in Calgary is 50 minutes to Banff and in the world's largest hot tub.
1: This next runner-up says, believe it or not, Antarctica. Although I suppose technically I went there in the summer. So this person's been to Antarctica. uh, But they say, but their summer is sort of still like winter. I'm a sunshine and plus 24 or more sort of girl. But it was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. So that's good for you, Antarctica. That's brave. Uh, But Loren Elaine is our winner.
2: Elaine said, I spent almost three weeks in the Arctic Circle, traveling to remote communities, engaging youth to explore entrepreneurship and working with economic development experts to design business programs that engage young people. Absolutely amazing experience. The people are brilliant and beautiful. The culture is woven into everything and the untouched, pristine landscape is breathtaking. Funny thing, I left Winnipeg. It was minus stupid and blizzard <laughs> conditions. When I arrived in Yellowknife, it was plus eighteen and sunny. I've never made it up to Yellowknife. I have been to Churchill, I've been to Whitehorse, but I haven't been um you know into the Arctic Circle area. You're furthest north, Greg? Uh, For me, furthest north
4: is the paw, but my stepdad used to work up uh, above the Arctic Circle on the dew line. He's from the Caribbean, and he loved it up north. The beauty and the the people and the wildlife, absolutely incredible up there.
1: Congratulations, Elaine. You are our winner. Thanks to one of our listeners who advised us there's a giant water main break, St. Matthews. Uh, and Wall, as well as Aaron, and a couple of more blocks, six to eight inches of water. And uh, they have sent, I see they've sent some pictures now um, to 204-780-6868. So thank you very much for that. So the, yeah, that looks like a mess. It looks like there is a police vehicle in the intersection at St. Matthews and Aaron, uh, Loren. So that um, that's not fun.
2: No, it's not fun. And with these temperatures, we all know what can happen quite quickly we're lucky it's not colder right now I don't know if you recall I want to say this is about eight years ago New Year's Eve New Year's Day I was working for TV and there was a massive water main break that spilled into a parking lot of an apartment building Um, and I'm in the northwest corner of Winnipeg I'm trying to remember the street and cars just physically were like iced in like (laughs) had to bring in special equipment. We had to steam. They were steaming out underneath the car with hot water to try to tow them out. It was just, the it was a gong show. And I remember it following that story actually for global national. And I get texts from different people across the country. Like, you know, it's cold when the car literally freezes in its tracks that was happening on the streets and in the parking lot. So hopefully that's not the situation with this, with this water main break here, but they can be pretty dicey and they, it takes only a matter of minutes when it's really cold. That year, it was that I think it was the twenty fourteen year, brat where yeah. we, where pipes were frozen right across Kingdom Come, like it was insane.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm just looking at uh, the headline now. Crews work to freeze uh, to free frozen cars in South Winnipeg neighborhood. Uh, that story is dated January sixth, twenty fourteen. Um, wow, yeah, I completely forgot about that. That was a nightmare. Uh, Good poll, Lauren. Good pull. And uh, did I just hear the the laughing voice of one Greg Mackling?
4: Perhaps. Am I here? You are. Am I actually here? Yes, uh, I remember that story also. 2014, was that the winter of the frozen pipes as well? Yes. Yes? Yes. Oh, I mean, that was a a winter that... All of us would like to forget good on you for remembering it though loren because that story was absolutely as winnipeg as they come uh, you know having a, a water main break and having vehicles frozen in their spot i've also retweeted at uh, gmac wpg on my twitter account video from that water main break on saint matthews between Wall Street, and Aaron Street back in uh, my old neighbourhood. So, yeah, it's quite a mess. So if you can avoid that, I would suggest you do that altogether.
1: All right. So now we want to say hello to one of our favourite guests. And he's one of our favourite guests no matter what we're talking about. So when Greg spotted a tweet from Michael Redhead Champagne yesterday, we just knew we had to bring him on.
4: No question. Michael has been working for years as a community activist. And he's always been doing his best to make his and other neighborhoods more safe, to raise awareness on indigenous issues, to revamp child and family services, and in general to try and encourage all of us to just be better. Yesterday, Michael tweeted, Today my childhood dream came true as I reveal the cover and begin pre-sales of my first kids' book, illustrated by at tiff Bartel. good morning michael
3: good morning i'm excited to be speaking to all of you this morning as an official author yeah. how does that
4: feel because i know that's been on your list of goals for some time and, and just talk about how long you've wanted to do this and and how did you end up at at deciding on creating a children's book michael
3: well i've wanted to create a i wanted to write books ever since I was a little kid. Um, I've been writing stories ever since I was in kindergarten, and I wrote my first, first book called Mr. Big Face. And <laughs> going on from there, um, I really fell in love with the idea of storytelling. And so in my life, um, growing up in the north end of Winnipeg here, I just see so many uh, gifted and talented people all the time. And I've learned in my activism and in my you know, my volunteerism, and just in my my life, that there are so many talented people in the north end of Winnipeg and in the inner city, and I feel like sometimes the world doesn't see how talented and gifted they are. And so this book is essentially me trying to say to the world that we need everyone, and there are so many gifts around us that are untapped, that we can use to try to solve the problems that we're facing. And um, yeah, I don't know, I just think A lot of the time, and I think a lot of our listeners are going to be able to relate to this. You guys probably can too. You hear young people saying, I'm bored, or I'm not good at anything. And in those moments, when young people say those things, it's an invitation for us as adults or people who care about them to remind them about how gifted they are. And I think that's what the message of We Need Everyone is. It's to tell young people and everyone, and children especially, that they're talented and the world needs their special gifts no matter what it is
2: you said uh, when greg asked about how this happened that you've always wanted to write a book michael a lot of people might say that things like that you know i've always wanted to do this but there's one thing of wishing it and another of putting it into action so how many months or years or weeks or did you did this come out in a matter of days like talk us about the process of putting pen to paper and then actually physically getting a copy of your own book in your hands
3: well, the I don't even have a physical copy of my own book in, in hand because it doesn't come out until September. It's only available for pre-sale now. Um, so the actual book itself comes out in September. So it's like a nine-month wait from now until then. But it's already been over um, about a year and a half, maybe almost two years of writing, planning, editing, uh, shopping around to, for artists. Um, As was mentioned, uh, the book is illustrated by a really talented person named Tiff Bartel. And, um, you know, there's just such interesting um, representation um, that she's done in the book of making sure that um, it's diverse and it represents all of the, the, you know, different folks we have and try to be as inclusive as possible. And the last thing I just have to say, the thing that I love the most about the cover of this book is My Cat Sushi is on the cover of the book with me.
2: Yes. I think Sushi's joined us on air a few times when we've had you. We've heard Sushi her in the Sushi has been
3: on this very show, and so now she is on the cover of a book, Most Famous Cat in the World, because we need everyone, including Pat.
1: So when you, you're you with a goal to empower kids to identify their gifts and use them to overcome challenges, you said it's up to us as adults, to help foster their gifts, to help them recognize their gifts. How do we do that?
3: Well, I actually have a, a literal three-step process that I wrote about in the book. Um, and I guess I can just tell you what the, what it is because it's just something that I think is so important that I can't possibly keep it a secret. The idea here with the gifts is uh, you got to list three things that you like doing. All right, You guys can do it in the studio here too. All right. You write down three things that you like doing. What you do next is you pick one of those gifts that you are good at. All right. So you take the one that you're good at. And when you're bored, when you're not feeling great about yourself, what you do is you practice that gift and you practice that gift. And when you're done practicing that gift, you start sharing that gift. And so in a nutshell, The book talks about all of the different gifts and and, and encourages young people to take these steps. If you don't know what your gift is or the people you love and care about don't know what their gift is, we help people find their gift.
4: It's a wonderful strategy, Michael. And that last one, the sharing part, you know, in my own life, I've found such incredible joy connected with people I never imagined that I would connect with, including you over the years, just by sharing certain stories or certain, sharing certain aspects of my life that connect me to certain people. So why is that sharing so critical in terms of gaining the confidence to continue to do something or, or to pursue something to maybe to the next level?
3: So in in the inner city and in many other places that are isolated um, or remote, I, I come from Shenandoah, First Nation, that's my home. Um that's where my family all comes from, except I was born and raised here in the North End, right? So, like, I have a connection to these two different places. But the commonality in both of those places um, is, you know, there's, there's poverty and there's uh, challenges in those places. And amongst the youth in both communities, there's a high rate of suicide. And I'm just going to be real about it. It's the fact that there is high suicide rates in the inner city and in First Nations communities that motivates me to send messages to kids and young people to tell them that they are valued and that they are needed, and to tell other adults like you folks that you have to do the same thing, because no young person should ever think that the solution to their problem is taking their own life. And we all have a responsibility to those children in our lives to make sure that they know and understand how gifted they are, how valuable they are, and how their gifts that they carry with them, even if it's the way they laugh, (laughs) um, the gifts that they carry with them, um, we need those gifts to have a strong family, to have a healthy community, um, and to move forward in a good way to address the challenges in our community, even things related to the pandemic. And so I think, you know, many of your listeners probably have seen uh, stories, there's this uh, story going around Canada of this 14-year-old kid who put together HEPA filters for folks right out of like random objects in the community and I'm like look at this look at this beautiful example of a child who knows and understands his gifts and is now offering and sharing that gift with the community to solve a problem that we are all facing that's why we need everyone that's why we need to show kids that they have a gift because children and their gifts and knowledge will save the world
1: The name of the book is We Need Everyone. It is available for pre-order now at a variety of places, including portageandmainpress.com, and and you can get more information on where you can pre-order it if you just follow Michael Redhead Champagne on social media. Michael, a pleasure as always. Congratulations on this achievement, sir. Thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you all for having me, and um, yeah, I'll see you again next time. Really appreciate you.